It's Bad History. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bad History. Bad History. My name is Steven, and I am joined this week, like every single other week, with my esteemed co-host, my uh, methodologist, my personal anthropologist, and my partner in crime, Dave. What's up, Dave? Not every week, Steven. <laughs> Not well, last well, week, Steven. Well, well, listen. Listen. All right? Listen. Yeah. Uh, so this is episode 32. It's coming at you a week late. Episode 32? Yes, this is episode 32. And this week, we are talking about famous moments from past Olympic Games. Because we are always late. On topic. <laughs> always on time. Uh, what up? Uh, no, so we are talking about famous or infamous moments from past Olympic Games, and maybe some moments that you haven't really heard of. Uh, so that's going to be the topic this week. We know we are a week late to this. We meant to get this out last week. Uh, we're not sorry. We don't care. The, the biggest reason... No, we are sorry. But the no, biggest reason I'm is... Not. Well, I know you're not, but like, I mean, have you ever been about like much... Sorry I met you that one time. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry I agreed to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you love it. Sure. Yeah. Well, Dave and I have both had absolutely bonkers months. Uh, Dave started law school, I started teaching, and it just has been insane. It's just been crazy. Uh, super, super crazy. We don't even have to do, how has your week been? Because it's been crazy. I think it is like the only because <laughs> it's been crazy. Uh, no, like for real, this is the uh, only time frame I could do this in the last two weeks. So yeah, that's why really we're doing it right now. Really? Uh, so we we are like really sorry we didn't get this out. No, we're and not. really we're really uh, we're sorry just like the lack of communication with you guys in no, terms of letting you know. You've been updating them; they're fine. They don't need to hear us that Thanks, often. Thanks, Dave. You know what? Thanks. They don't need to hear us that often. What do they you don't? think? Think we, we do we do it less? They want it more? Is that kind of thing? Like, yeah, let's man. Make them, let's make them hungry for it. Give them a whiff of the cake, but don't let them see it. Mm, yeah, sure. I a see whiff. what you're saying. I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. A nice full-bodied inhale of uh, the stew that we but, are cooking. Yeah. You know what we should do? Quit. And then have a reunion episode that gets thousands of views, and then right. maybe pick up a, a small eight episode season like the X Files. But the X Files is like coming back permanently. I mean, it is back permanently. That's right. the point. That's what I'm saying. Right. But you know what we should do? We should get on with the history. Let's get on with the history, shall we? Play that music. Let's play that music. Beatly papa I forgot what the music is. Okay, Steven. Yes. So, I think we are both doing two stories of Olympians and Olympics. Um, so, I have uh, an ancient one mm-hmm. and a more modern one. Which would you like to hear first? All right, let's go chronologically. But before we do that, should we kind of talk about what the Olympics actually are? If you don't know what the Olympics are, what the Olympics is... It's a bunch of sporting events uh, held 
in a different city every four years. Uh, it trades off between the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics for different sports. And um, it is like a throwback to the ancient Olympiad of ancient Greece. And it's like, you know, a bunch of sporty bros come. Yeah. Sporty bros and sporty gals. And then they uh, they do their thing. And if you do it the best or the fastest, then you get medals. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, if you score the most points, we should really make this seem like 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 the most like we have no idea what the hell's going on with sports. Like let's really just lean into this. So if you if you get enough points if you if you score your enough name you, is put into a giant like gumball machine. Right. A big and, gotcha pawn. And then they they release um a very small capuchin monkey and give him <laughs> a quarter. And if he decides to eat the quarter, nobody wins. But if but, he sees a shadow, there's six more months of winter. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> and that is the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so dating back to around 776 BC, we see the first Olympic Games happening in Greece. And interestingly enough, uh, so the Greeks themselves weren't really a unified country they were a collection of city states they really don't become any sort of unified country until alexander the great sweeps in from Mas- from macedon but uh greece is a collection of city states and during the olympics the city states who are kind of constantly at odds with each other have a sacred truce between between themselves and they compete in the and compete in the games so uh kind of like now even though we have seen the games the Olympic Games riddled with political tension and uh, oftentimes, or not oftentimes, but sometimes we see actual actual violence occur at the Olympics. Uh, they are kind of a time for us to kind of get together and just revel in the, the, the good nature of sports and sportsmanship. I'm going to tell you a little story now, going back in time. Yeah, Dave, Dave, go ahead and lay, me, lay on your first story. Lay on you? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Play some music, turn the lights down low, and I'll lay on you. But the first story I have is about this guy. I'm so sorry. Let's hope to not have a Perdiccas incident. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of names, and there are a bunch of ancient Greek names. And my um, my walking, talking dictionary is not around. So... Uh, Fuck it. Steven. Yes. Do you want to hear the story of Diagoras of Rhodes? Do I have a choice? We can stop right now and no, I will no, no, go no, eat going. some lasagna. Okay. <laughs> so, Diagoras of Rhodes. This is a very touching story in a very ancient Greek sort of way. Nice. Um, so, Diagoras of Rhodes is this ancient Greek athlete from about the 5th century, right? Um, from well, we know it's from the fifth century, so not about the fifth century. <laughs> this story is about the fifth century. <laughs> Let's be very matter of fact here. In it lived Diagoras of Rhodes, who is a very, very successful boxer in his own right. Okay, he entered uh, the Olympic Games um, at Isthmian, Nemea, and. Pythia, right? 
So these are the Isthmian games, the Nemean games, and the Pythian games. And we know for a fact that he won boxing at least twice, right? So he's a very successful athlete on his own, wouldn't you say? I would say so. He um, is, like, viewed in history as not only being an amazing boxer, but for having the greatest athletic family in history. So um, after he was done and he was retired, he had two sons, right? Um, the oldest name was Demagatos, who uh, was also a Olympic athlete. And then his second son was Akusalawis. At the 448 BC games, um, the games, both of his sons uh, won their Olympic events. Both of them uh, won, I guess, the equivalent of gold, one in boxing and the other one in Pancration. Uh, Pancration um, was like a form of boxing and wrestling. Uh, so it was like boxing, but you were allowed to like kick and hold people. Oh, you know what this sounds like? It's UFC. Right? Yeah, it's UFC, man. <laughs> it was the first <laughs> UFC champ. Um, so this is like a really touching story where Diagoras, being very well respected on his own, was lifted up onto the shoulders of his two sons and carried around the stadiums. And um, th- this was like unbelievable for an ancient. Uh, Greek man because you they had this like idea where if you did great things but your children surpassed your great things this was the greatest honor you could ever achieve you know what I mean sure yeah and um, they said he experienced the peak happiness that a human could um, ever experience and legend states that uh, during Diagoras's, like, you know, he, while he was being carried around by his sons, a spectator in the crowd shouted to him, Die, Diagoras, for you will not ascend to Olympus besides. Now, this sounds pretty mean to say, but what he meant, what that means is that Diagoras at this point had reached the highest possible honor and the highest possible happiness that man could experience and that he like you know this is it this is the high point of your life it's not getting any better it's It's not getting worse it's not getting any better and indeed in that moment legend states that diagoras died on the spot and has been considered since the happiest human being to have ever lived but (laughs) what comes next is even more amazing so Diagoras's third son, later Darius, turned out to be an even more successful athlete than his two older brothers. And then uh, Diagoras's grandsons, uh, through his daughters, were both also Olympic champions. There are three generations of Diagoras's family of Rhodes who are considered like the greatest athletes of their time. And this is greater than any other um, sports dynasty, family-wise, that we've we've ever 
like experienced in history. And we have records kind of, you know, fuck record keeping. Yeah, 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 for sure. Of this family, we have um, painted vases of all of them competing. So we know, like, this is happening, and it's pretty fucking dope. Right, so it's at at least some level of, like, actuality this happens. And then there's also another legend um, that uh, of one of Diagoras' daughters was not only the mother of an Olympic uh, athlete, but she was the only lay woman to ever enter the ancient Olympic Games. So women were not allowed to enter the ancient Olympic Games because uh, the athletes all performed in the nude. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, like it should be. Come on. So, oh my God, Michael Phelps is a <laughs> gross-looking human being. I don't want to see his wiener. Uh, but so, Diagoras is a very daughter, clinical term you just used, Dave. <laughs> wiener. Yeah, I don't want to see his ding dong. <laughs> it's his rudder. That's why he goes so fast. <laughs> Wait, but, like, who's steering him, then? Dude, he's steering himself. <laughs> uh, so, Diagoras' daughter, her name is uh, Calipatera, and um, so, like I said, she entered into the Olympic Games. Um, she, what I mean entered, um, she, like, went to watch them, right? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, but she was discovered and brought before the judges of the Games to be tried for sacrilege essentially they were going to put her to death but at her trial she proclaimed that if any woman should ever be allowed to defy the ban it was her having her father three of her brothers a son and a nephew achieve olympic victory and it is said that the judges were awed by her family and she was acquitted um and this is like you know ancient if we're talking about the patriarchy, you can't get much more patriarchy than ancient Greece, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And the fact that this woman defied them and then they were in awe of her having this, like, crazy Olympic family is pretty fucking important. So that's the story of Diagoras of Rhodes and his family. He died the happiest man of all time, but if he had waited, he could have died happier. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't fucking wait. He couldn't fucking wait. So that's Diagoras of Rhodes. Cool, man. Good scrolls. Good Thank scrolls you. part one. Good scrolls part one? Give me a, a, a half good scroll. Give me that's just a, one good that's scroll. That's a good scroll. <laughs> Thank you for the good scroll. <laughs> All right, Steven, let me hear uh, one of your stories. Yeah, for play sure. The, play the music. Let's play the music. <laughs> All right, Dave. So I have two stories that I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, the first, the, they, they kind of have two different tones. Uh, do you want to hear the happy one or the sad one first? Oh, man, you picked a sad one. It's Shit. not really sad. It's more of kind of upsetting. Okay. Um, uh, let's do the sad one. Let's end on a high note. All right, cool. That's, that's the order I wanted to go in, so I'm glad you picked that. There we go. So, our media, like we do, loves to portray the United States kind of wiping the floor 
with the Soviet Union during Olympic Games. I, like I, they do. Like <laughs> they do. I mean, i.e. Glory and Rocky Four. However, there was there that one time in the Olympics that we did lose to the USSR. The one time? The one time. That didn't happen. What are you talking about? Yeah, no. I am a brainwashed child of the <laughs> Reagan years. Lay it on me. <laughs> you ready to get truthed? The truthiness is seeping. Yes, yes, yes. From my headphones. <laughs> so the year was 1972. The destination, Munich. Oh, this is a good story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> now hold on. <laughs> so the year was 1972. The destination was Munich. Great uh, Olympic Games. Nothing yeah, bad yes, happened. Nothing, uh, now this particular Olympic game is kind of rightfully overshadowed by the massacre of Israel competitors by the Black September, which... Uh, was a Palestinian terrorist group. And because of this, few remember the loss that we suffered to the USSR. Now, what exactly was the game that we lost? Basketball. What? The Russians beat us in basketball. <laughs> What's the Futurama line? It's like, this is a dark day indeed. We have been beaten. In basketball. <laughs> it's like the one thing America has. It's some basketball. Recently, the United States has kind of had an up and down of the basketball to national level. In 1992, we first allowed bas- our professional basketball players to join the Olympic team. Uh, a lot of Olympic sports are still left open to only amateur players or amateur competitors, uh, boxing being one of them. But in 1992, we, we opened up the United States national team to pro- professional players. 92. 92. Yeah, you just said yeah. 82. Did I say 82? I meant 92. Yeah, 92. Um, but uh, for, for a while, we were dominating. But in 2004, we started to slip a little bit. And we started off the, the Olympic Games by losing to Puerto Rico and following up by a cool loss to Lithuania. Uh, a cool loss <laughs> to Lithuania? Uh, they eventually end the uh, tournament by by picking up a bronze, so not terrible, but definitely not at the level that the United States is used to in when it comes to basketball. Uh, in 1972, this was a much different time. Uh, we had absolutely been wrecking since basketball was added to the Olympics in the 30s, and this year was no different. We started off really, really well, making quick work of the group stage. And we had won all of our uh, seven of our games with a combined lead of 230 points. Damn. Which, in case you don't know, in basketball, that's, uh, that's well, a lot of dunks. <laughs> that's and a lot of dunks. An easy walk into the winner's circle looked super in, uh, imminent. However, another country was making a lot of noise in their group stage. And that country... Well, Soviet Russia, cue the USSR national anthem. I saw Eventually, the U.S. would meet the USSR in the finals. And the game would prove to be an absolute nail-biter. In the first half of the game, the U.S. let their hubris get in the way, and the USSR took a considerable lead. However, the U.S. managed to fight their way back, and with less than a minute remaining, the U.S. was only down a single point. Doug Collins, who was guard for the U.S., managed to intercept a pass and went up for a layup, but was fouled hard by a Soviet player. 
He managed to, uh, to sink two free throws, however, which put the United States in the lead. The U.S. net was now only one, or the U.S. was now at one point in the lead with one second, or with uh, a second left on the clock. Damn. Uh, at this time, the referees noticed that the Soviet coaches were freaking out, and they were claiming that they had ignored the request for a timeout while Collins was shooting. Uh, the refs reset the clock, and the Soviets failed to score any points in the remaining time. So it looks like the United States had won the gold. But this is where things get super interesting. The officials failed to reset the clock properly. Oh, no. So they so had nothing to add- has changed. So yeah. the Olympics were a shit show in the exactly. 80s. <laughs> so they had to add more time back on. Alexander Belov, who was a uh, player for the Soviet Union, caught a, pa- a long pass for the USSR and laid it up for two points, securing the win for the USSR. To this day... The United States refuses to acknowledge the legitimacy of that win, and their medals still sit in a vault in Switzerland. Oh, no. Yeah. They refuse to accept the silver medals. That's hilarious. That's a really American thing to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so that is my first Olympic story. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. I love basketball. Um, I love the NBA. I love college basketball such a beautiful sport no i think it's real fun dude um i think it's the most fun to play uh but like yeah we we have since the dream team i will say and except for that one slight 2004 games the united states has been pretty unstoppable in basketball at the olympics yeah. well, like and i think i think the 2004 game was like the only time we kind of slipped yeah the team that came after was known as the redeem team and they dominated but like for example this year right 2016 the olympics uh we played serbia in the gold medal game we won by 30 points yeah, yeah the yeah, guy yeah. the people who got silver lost by 30 points yeah. That's insane. Anyway, Steven, that was a good scroll. Thanks. You won me over with basketball. Thanks. It was a good script. And well, now... Well, I appreciate it. And I know you don't, you didn't like basketball beforehand, but I hope you have a better appreciation for yeah, the sport. Right? Now, yeah, now I really feel like I love basketball. Very Before, good. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to my modern yeah, story. Yeah, um, well, let's hear it. Play that fucking... Let's play that music. All right, Stephen. So there's this famous photograph from the 1968 Olympics in Mexico, right? I don't know if you're famous or familiar with maybe the most famous um, photograph of Olympic or sports history. But it was the 1968 Mexico City Games, and it is the three men on a podium, and it's two of them doing the black power fist. Yes. So that's an extremely famous photograph, right? You've got John Carlos and Tommy Smith, gold and bronze winners in the men's 200 meters. Uh, They're standing on the podium while the United States National Anthem is played, and they're both wearing black gloves raised in the air. And it's like this huge um, 
like black power statement and it's this really beautiful image that is like a super like you know poster of the civil rights movement but there's a third guy on that podium and a lot of people don't know his story and i'm not trying to take away from carlos or smith but the story of peter norman the silver medal winner of the 200 meters is a really amazing and sad story and i think it needs to be told so peter norman uh is an australian track athlete right he's amazing he has set records back in the 60s that are still unbroken today in australia in the rest of the commonwealth right uh he was a five-time olympic or a five-time australian champion um but what i think is the greatest story of his life is the story of this photograph so after he beat uh john carlos the man expected to get silver. He pulled ahead and won at the end. Uh, both Smith and Carlos said to him, like, hey, we're going to raise our fists in uh, you know, solidarity of the black power movement. Uh, do you mind if we do that? They, you know, they, they didn't want to take away from his silver medal victory, which I respect. I think that's a really nice sportsmanlike thing that everybody did. Um, and instead of just agreeing... Peter Norman actually suggested that both of them wear their black gloves. And uh, John Carlos didn't have his gloves with him. So the glove that he's wearing is actually Peter Norman's glove that he lent to him. Uh, so he, he was instrumental in this famous photograph. Also, a lot of people don't realize it, but Peter Norman, in solidarity with, with them... Um, he is wearing a badge on his tracksuit in support of the Olympic Project for Human Rights, the OPHR. Um, and he didn't raise his fist because, you know, he's he wanted them to be able to, to do it. But he also wanted to sh- show his support by um, wearing the badge saying that, you know, racism is pretty rampant. It's the 60s. It needs to end. And I want to do what i can uh, a journalist martin flanagan wrote they asked if he believed in human human rights and he said he did they asked him if he believed in god and norman who came from a salvation army background said he believed strongly in god and they they knew what we were going to do was far greater than any athletic feat and he said that he would stand with them um and uh John Carlos said that he expected to see fear in Norman's eyes because it's, it was what he was used to dealing with white Americans in these situations. Yeah. He said that he didn't. He saw only love. Oh, that's cool. So Peter Norman was this huge advocate for ending racism. But Australia at the time was an extremely racist place, right? Yeah. So he, Norman was this staunch anti-racist advocate but he came home and he was shunned, essentially. Um, he retired from athletics immediately after hearing that he didn't make the cut for the Munich team four years later, uh, despite still being the the time setter, right? He was still in yeah. peak physical, physical condition. Um, and there was no outcry at all from the... Uh, australian people they would rather have less of a chance of winning 
than having Peter Norman represent the Australians. And then at the Sydney Olympics in the year 2000, right? He wasn't even invited. Holy uh, crap. To 2000? Yeah, to attend. Um, So instead, the United States Committee arranged to have him be there as a part of the U.S. delegation, right? Oh, that's fucking cool. Oh, man, that's cool. (laughs) So he uh, showed up, and he was a representative of the United States. And uh, that's kind of the end of his story. He he died in 2006 at a ripe old age, but he died of a heart attack. But uh, his nephew, I believe, decided to make a... Oh my Holy god. shit. What was that? Dave, when I grow up, I want to be as cool as that guy. <laughs> that guy's dick is humongous. I can hear it from here. Uh, so his nephew in 2008 released this documentary, this docudrama, if you will, yeah. uh, called Salute about Peter Norman. And it was a huge sensation. It broke all these box office records for documentary in Australia. And in a country like Australia, which take sports so seriously uh a lot of people especially uh from the later and younger generations they were hearing peter norman's story for the first time and they didn't even know about him um and he was brought back into public consciousness and he was like revitalized almost um the U.S. Track and Field Association declared the day of his death to be Peter Norman Day, and I think it was also adopted in Australia. Oh, at, fucking good. <laughs> at, uh, both Smith and Carlos, the gold and bronze winners of that famous picture, um, were at his funeral and gave eulogy. Um, Carlos stated uh, in his <laughs> eulogy... He just happened to be a white guy, an Australian white guy, between two black guys in the victory stand, believing in the same thing. And I think that's, like, really poignant that, uh, you know, his circumstances kept him from receiving the kind of accolades that he really deserved for taking a stand against racism in this, like, really racist world. And uh, he sort of died without any vindication, but... Today, he is definitely viewed as a national Australian hero. So it it kind of didn't, you know, he didn't see any of that in his life, but uh, he's very well respected today, which he deserves, because oh, his record absolutely. is still unbroken for the 200 meters, apparently. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So, so did, did Australia ever make any sort of, like... Did they ever make a res- or say have a response to the fact that the United States kind of just was like, well, if you're not going to invite them, we're going to invite them? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, the Australian Olympic Committee told uh, reporters um, that Peter was not sanctioned. And they are not sure why he missed selection in 1972, but they claimed it have nothing to do with what happened in Mexico. So they pretty much just like um, denied everything, you know. Uh, and it's a completely different Australian Olympic Committee. Um, but yeah. they also claimed that he was not excluded from any of the 2000 Sydney celebrations. Uh-huh. And no, he, he wasn't, but he also wasn't 
invited. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Uh, so it really took the Americans holding up one of Australia's greatest athletes as their own to really kick them into gear and uh, start respecting him, I think. That's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up, especially considering, like, how brave, but also how, like, he didn't think he was being brave. He thought no, no, it was just yeah. common sense and common decency to say racism was bad. And he helped these uh, amazing athletes, these amazing black athletes, take one of the most iconic photos of all time. You know? Yeah. They're wearing the black leather gloves that he gave to one of them. So. Well, yeah, and I think that's the biggest distinction to make is that he was a guy who was just, he, he believed what he believed in and, like, that was it. Yeah, and so even though he didn't get to see any of these things happen to him or happen, uh, you know the, his country, like, you know him, him come on to term good terms with his country again, pretty much. I'm sure he died, you know, not regretting a single moment of it. Yeah, I'm also sure that when he died, he didn't care about exactly what his country thought because he obviously didn't care on the the day, you know, when yeah. he uh, participated. Um, actually, um, I have a thing um, where in 2012, the Australian Parliament um, debated adopting a posthumous apology to Peter Norman. Uh, and in, on October 11, You mean 2000- dead Peter Norman? Yeah, so it's a, a posthumous apology, essentially. So like a post-death. We're oh, okay, sorry. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Uh, the official apology read... Um, the order of the day has been read for the resumption of the debate on the motion of Dr. Lay that this house recognizes the extraordinary athletic achievements of the late Peter Norman, who won the silver medal in the 200-meter sprint running event at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics in a time of 20.06 seconds, which still stands as the Australian record. It, this house acknowledges the bravery of Peter Norman in donning an Olympic project for human rights badge on the podium in solidarity with African-American athletes, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who gave the black power salute and that this house apologizes to Peter Norman for the wrong done by Australia in failing to send him to the 1972 Munich Olympics, despite repeatedly qualifying. So there is an official parliamentary apology from 2012 sorry i this literally just passed in front of my in front of my um my desk so there you go Uh, apparently in 2012 the parliament tried to actually make amends but yeah he had died six years earlier so so it was kind of like well we know he fucked up yeah and And i mean everybody else knows we fucked up i mean it's it's great that they accepted that and just didn't stay quiet on it forever, you know? Yeah. Um, but you do kind of wish that he was around to hear it. Right, for sure. Because no, that's, that's very true. Not just based on his time, but on his time alone, you could argue that he's one of the greatest Olympic athletes of all time. But other than that, based on his actions, you would say he was, like, one of the greatest sportsmen like yeah, in, in Olympic history. Oh yeah, and I think it really embodies what it means to be an Olympian. Right? There you go, perfectly. He was the perfect yeah. Olympian. So that's the story of Peter Norman. Ah, uh, dude, good rolls. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, 
Great scrolls, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, all around. I'm glad that story didn't end, like, super sad, because that's yeah. where I thought it was going. Yeah, like, he got beat up and, like, yeah. stabbed. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, like, Shep... He what? was called, like, a racist. <laughs> <laughs> like, they messed it up that bad. See, that's where I thought it was going, where eventually the, the media just turns it and flips it on him. He goes back to Australia and they hate him so much, he's like, They're right, I should hate black people. <laughs> yeah. And he starts all his own, like, Mad Max colony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, Steven, let's wrap this fucking shit show up. Uh, play the music. Let's do it. Alright, Dave. Yo. So are you ready to end on a very happy note? Dude, I need it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh so the the second story I wanna tell is kind of you know, we, we hear a lot about the kind of a heartwarming Olympic stories. Uh, and this is definitely one of them. So the story I want to tell is about the Olympian Abebe Bikila. Okay. Uh, Bikila was an Olympic marathon runner who competed in the 1960 Olympics in Rome for Ethiopia. Uh, now, he was kind of not the typical uh, Olympic runner because he hadn't really been properly training for the Olympics. He was added to the team at the very, very last minute, literally as they were boarding the plane, because another member of the team uh, fell seriously ill. So he was a very last addition to the Olympic team. And from the very beginning, he was never really taken seriously because he was such a last minute addition. They thought he was just kind of going to be a spot filler uh, for Ethiopia. And when he got to Rome, Adidas, who is the sponsor of the Olympic Games that year, only had a limited amount of shoes left for him to try on. Um, and he could not find any that really fit him right. The only shoes that he found that remotely fit were not comfortable in the, in the least bit and kind of impeded, you know, impeded his, his running. So he could ne- he couldn't find a pair of shoes that really fit him properly, and the only other pair of shoes that he had uh, blew out during training while in Rome. So a few hours before the race actually starts, he decides he's going to run the race barefoot. Yes. So before the race, he was told that his main competition was the runner from Morocco who would be wearing the number twenty six. However, before the race starts, the Moroccan runner was given the number one eighty five. So over the course of the whole entire race, he's constantly looking for the number 26 trying to pass him. Unknown to him, though, the Moroccan runner had been running right next to him the whole entire time. (laughs) And so the two eventually break away from the main group. Uh, uh, Bikila is still looking for the number 26. And he ends up passing uh, the Moroccan runner, and he finishes first and sets a world record. (laughs) He sets a world record of a marathon of 2 hours, 15 minutes, and 16 seconds. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. Yeah, dude. Fuck. Uh, Bikila was asked after the race why he decided to run barefoot, and what he said is actually is was really really cool. He said that I wanted the whole world to know that my country Ethiopia had always won with determination and heroism. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so a super kind of modest and 
really, really super modest guy. And he actually went on to uh, compete in the next Olympics in Tokyo. And he again won the gold and again set a new world record by shaving three minutes off his previous time. Fuck yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So he is a uh, double gold record holder for Ethiopia for the marathon. Uh, during the next Olympic Games, he gets 17 kilometers in and injures his knee and has to bow out of the race. Um, and uh, at the age of 41, because of this in- injury, he uh, dies of complications. Oh, my God. I thought this was a happy story. Yeah. But 75,000 people attended his funeral, and the emperor of Ethiopia declared it a national day of mourning. Damn, dude. So he's still a, a major hero within Ethiopia. But, uh, so, I mean, a very happy story of someone kind of beating the odds and, and doing what no one ever really thought was possible. Yeah, I think it's hilarious how, like, that wouldn't be allowed today. Oh, yeah, uh, for like, sure. They'd be like, uh, you gotta put some, like, Nike stickers on your toes <laughs> yeah. or something for the advertising. Uh, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I uh, think it's great that he ran barefooted. Oh, for sure, and there's, like... There's, like, pictures of him just, like, barefoot completely. The, like, best running stories um, always have something silly like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, Usain sure. Bolt uh, in Beijing, uh, like, doing the look back when he, he... It's the 100... Is it the 100 or is it the 200 he wins? Um, but he does the look back and his, like, shoelaces are untied <laughs> during the race. <laughs> Oh shit! No, that's a great story. I love. Thanks, man. I love hearing, um, like, stories of sports athletes who do things better than everyone else, but do it like, you know, while like carrying a backpack full of yeah, bricks yeah, yeah, or for something sure. like that. For sure. It's well, al- what's cr- it's almost superhero esque. Yeah, and what's crazy is that he had. Uh, he when they asked him what his best time for the marathon was like not official but because he didn't really have an official best time because one uh it's ethiopia and so like it's you know no one really took ethiopia seriously as an olympic competitor and two he wasn't really do what i said really i thought they were like good runners i mean yeah but in terms of like an, an olympic institution Oh, okay. Okay. You see, you see what I'm saying? Um, so, like, whereas if any – we had uh, we have Olympic competitors in the United States for all of the games. We, you know, we have a good understanding of their personal best times, right? Yeah. Or personal best, you know, weight that they've lifted or whatever it is. Um, and so he wasn't what, he wasn't really an official Olympian, you know, a, an official real competitor. And they asked him what his best marathon time was, and he told – he told some ridiculous number, like the time he actually set, and that had that it would it was the the world it would have been the world record, and they were like, no, there's no way in hell you did that. You're 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 not serious. We're not going to take you seriously. Yeah, and he ends up doing it. <laughs> I'm looking. Um, he won gold in Tokyo. He won yeah. gold in Rome. Uh, but then in Mexico, Mexico City. City yes. Uh, he was replaced by Mama Walde, who is also Ethiopian, who took gold. And um, they have a very, very successful, uh, looks like, running um, men's and women's running tradition of gold 
So they've got 22 golds, gold medals and 53 medals in total in the sport of athletics. So, but he but he like started it. He's like the yeah, first yeah, one. For sure. So he started this like tradition. So I didn't actually yeah. know anything about Abebe. So and I like know a lot about that part of the world. So that's pretty yeah. amazing. So thanks for telling me about that. Yeah, shit, man. Dude. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Uh, that was a good. That was good. Good. Good olds. Good olds. Good olds. Good olds. Good olds. Uh, I think we both had some good scrolls this week. Yeah, I would say so collectively. This was a interesting episode. Yeah, it's. I'm glad it, it is over. <laughs> it was. It was like. It was just different. I think. Yeah, they were. They were stories. Yeah, we yeah. actually did what we set out to do. For sure. Which doesn't happen often, does it? No. And none of them were about the Middle Ages, and none of them were about, like, China or whatever I talk about. China! So, yeah. we did different things. And we didn't talk about... What were the ones we said we weren't going to talk about? We weren't going to talk oh, about... Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. We weren't going to talk about Munich. We weren't going to talk about Glory. We weren't going to talk about Glory. Um, Even though I know how badly you wanted to talk about glory, are you? When you say glory, you're talking about miracle, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, because glory is the Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> yes, yes, I am aware of this now. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right, so do we have anything to say or do? Yeah, so um, I want to go ahead and drop the topic for next week. Oh, I didn't even know about this. Oh, yes, this is uh, this is a good one. I, I think you'll like this one, though. Okay. So a friend of mine, Katie, who has been uh, listening to the show uh, the last few weeks, has suggested to us that we should do a t- an episode on uh, small uh, subgroups. So what? the two that she, su- she suggested to, to me were Romani and polygamists. So subgroups of countries that uh, that we may know about, but we don't actually know much about. Okay, so for next week, we'll be doing subgroups not including the Romani or the Rom and the polygamists. So you don't want to do either of those? No, dude, let's fucking Why? flip it on Katie. I am so sorry, Katie. You I'm can so suggest sorry. topics, but the you one can't suggest time, Like, the, the first time I drop your name on the show, and Dave just, like just like tears into you i am so sorry so so next week we'll be talking about subgroups maybe including polygamists and or the romani probably not uh so that's what we'll be doing next week um thank you guys so much for kind of putting up with our shit as we're kind of easing into this new groove that is law school and teaching um so we're we're kind of trying to still navigate the them choppy waters, and uh, we'll keep you guys posted on what that actually kind of looks like. Um, but uh, but the show's not going anywhere. We're still we'll still be uh, you know doing this whatever this is. You there, Dave? Uh... Now, nah, Dave, 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 Dave was done about fifteen minutes ago. Uh, so. Uh, if you want to kind of find out more about us, Facebook, Twitter, email, we're all on there. Uh, bad History Podcast, just search for us. Uh, email is badhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We're all on all the directories, iTunes, all the good stuff. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, so, so next time on Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> Steven shows up with 
a story that he hasn't completely finished writing the notes on. So Dave has to wait 30 minutes until they can start recording. Will Dave, Dave stay on for season ball. Will, will Dave stay on for season three? Maybe, but law school is devouring him whole. So we'll see. Find out next time on Bad History. Alright, is that the show? Are we out of here? <laughs>